0: You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org family. Okay, Tracy, today we're going to talk about setting boundaries with your in-laws, and so any husband or wife who's out there listening to this, thinking that you're the only one that has trouble with your in-laws. We've got good news for you because we've had some troubles in our life, 25 years of marriage, and we're going to share a lot of stories today. Tracy, why don't you set it up? What's the deal with in-laws?
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, the reality is we grow up in a family system. And even if the family system isn't particularly healthy in every way, or or you're able to identify things that you would want to do differently when you started your own family, we're still shaped by that family system. It still has a way of defining the way things are done. It's what we're used to. It's what we saw modeled. So when we get married, we just all of a sudden then we learn about our spouse having been shaped by a totally different family system. And then when you're like trying to merge things or some of those things kind of come up against each other or don't agree with each other, it can cause a lot of conflict in the marriage. So we just really want to make sure that we're hitting home on this boundary series, that boundaries with even your parents or your family of origin is a big deal and something that we need to pay attention to. And maybe for a lot of us, we don't even realize uh, how some of our boundaries are not in a healthy place with our families, because like I said, we've just been shaped by this system that we think this is the way you do things. This is normal.
0: So I want to start today with a Bible verse. Now, we don't always start with Bible verses, but even if you're not a Christian or a follower of Jesus, I think it's really helpful to understand this principle. It comes from Genesis 2.24. So, the second chapter in the Bible, and it it talks about the reason that a man leaves his father and mother. It says, you know, this is Adam and Eve, the the first married couple, so to speak. And it says... A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And so we call this the leaving and cleaving principle. And this is the principle that is helpful to remember in marriage is that you you leave your family of origin and you cleave to your spouse. So you're no longer connected first and foremost to your family of origin. Now the most important relationship is the new family that you've created and this is the leaving and cleaving principle. And Trace, so many young couples have a hard time doing this. And what ends up happening is we're going to introduce a couple of words today. And what happens is what we call enmeshment. You are you don't even realize it, but you're so enmeshed with your family of origin. Now, maybe both husband and wife are enmeshed, or maybe it's just one or the other. It doesn't matter whether you both are or only one of you is. It's going to cause problems in your marriage. It's going to cause problems in your new family. And the point of today's podcast is to help couples sit down, hopefully as at least as a couple, maybe with a mentoring couple and say, let's really talk through this because we might have some issues. And the sooner you identify those issues, the better and so Tracy, we're gonna frame this in terms of several different types of enmeshment. Now, in the book Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend, we'll put a link to that below. They talk about this, they get into great detail on this, but we're gonna we're gonna frame all of this in, in the context of enmeshment, which is not healthy. It's it's unhealthy to be too enmeshed. And one way you can be enmeshed is relationally.
1: Well, right. So we've been talking about boundaries and this idea of kind of your fence line where you end and somebody else begins. And we've talked about, you know, the 10 laws of boundaries and how, you know, how do you know if your boundaries are in place or if they're being infringed upon? And so now you're kind of bringing this, the idea of your boundaries, even with your own family, you know, the way we talk about it in premarital counseling is just, you know, your loyalty now with that leave and cleave principle. It's not that you ignore your family of origin or say, now I don't care about you or your opinions anymore, but your loyalty, your first concern, your first responsibility now becomes with your spouse and creating your own family. And what we've always said is the, is the ideal is that you take the best of each of your families and you combine them to make a new family. But the problem for a lot of couples is we don't even realize how enmeshed we are in our family of origin system. We have parents that maybe we desire to please and to make them proud. And so we kind of then find ourselves being more concerned about how they're viewing us versus our spouse. So we just have to start from this place of thinking about boundaries, even with our own families, even though they For many of us, that was a wonderful experience and they raised us well and gave us opportunity and financially supported us. But when we get married and move on, we need to make sure that these boundaries are clear of where your family of origins, influence, or control ends and where your new allegiance is with your spouse because they're going to have an opinion or a different way of doing things than you. So that's where it comes up in this idea relationally is that your spouse might be looking at you being like, why do you care more about your mom's opinion than mine? <laughs> I don't wash my clothes or fold my clothes that way. I don't care if that's how your mom did it, right? <laughs> you know, some of those things that might come up in in marriage where your spouse might feel like you care more about your family's opinion than you do your spouse.
0: Yeah, in the book, they call this playing second fiddle. So you might have enmeshment problems if... Your spouse thinks that they play second fiddle to your mom or to your dad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tracy, in a couple of decades of um, mentoring couples out there, we've seen this over and over. I mean, I don't know. It's ra- it's actually rare to see a couple that doesn't have these issues.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I again, I think marriage is kind of that first opportunity that we start to see boundaries as really important because you're you're talking about relationships that you care a lot about your your family of origin, your parents, your siblings, and then your spouse. And you're trying to figure out how do these two worlds somehow fit together without one of them, well, and truth be told, your family of origin, if anyone's gonna feel second fiddle, it needs to be your family of origin. You know, your spouse needs to feel like they they come first.
0: So Tracy, what would you say to the person you know the husband who says, "Well, I want to do that," but every time I say that to my parents, they think that my my wife then is being controlling, or they think that she. Oh, you've you've changed. You are so you're so different, Brian. You used to be, you know, my favorite. You used to be so sweet to us, and now you've just completely changed because um, it feels like you're uh, you're favoring. Your spouse now, what happened to you? You've changed so much. Your spouse must be so controlling, right? See, some of these things we have I've actually heard in my own family. And so maybe we can walk through these couples out there who might be running into this dynamic. How do you respond to that?
1: Well, again, I think this is where... Talking about boundaries as a couple, even before you get married, or for those of you that are already married and maybe are in the game 20 plus years or whatever, and it's like, gosh, we've got a lot to unwind and learn here. But it really does start with the conversations between husband and wife and just saying, like, how how do we feel like we are doing with boundaries with our families? Where, where do we feel like there's been some crossover or some um in infringement on some of our boundaries and, and then to talk about that and be able to receive from each side, you know, each spouse needs to be able to be like, you know what? I know my mom can be a little, can be a little much, or my dad's got a lot of opinions, or I know they want to hang out all the time and to be able to talk about it without being defensive about your family of origin and just say our marriage, our family matters more. Our allegiance is to one another. So Let's talk about it. Let's identify some of those areas. And then really the key is like to your example, Brian, and this was something that we've had to work really hard out, hard at in our own marriage and with our families, is that you are the spokesperson to your family of origin. So to your example, if you're drawing some boundaries and you're agreeing as a couple, like we need to have some boundaries in place and you start to put those boundaries in place and your family's like, what the heck, what gives? Why are you not around as much? Why don't you call as much? You know, whatever that is, that you as a spokesperson to your family isn't throwing your spouse under the bus, but saying, you know what? As we've kind of are moving along, we just we just have, there's just different boundaries in place. We've just got other things we're doing and um, we have the same boundaries with her family or his family and not making your spouse the bad guy and stating it like, this is just what we need to do for our family to be healthy, to just make sure we have proper boundaries in place in every area of our lives.
0: Yeah. But let's say they say, but, but we always, we've always done Christmas Eve mm-hmm. at our house. You've changed so much, right? Because the in-laws, the in-laws maybe aren't listening to this podcast. The in And maybe that's one tip is send them the podcast, but the in-laws maybe aren't spending the time to really think about setting healthy boundaries, they just feel like they're victims now. They just feel like they've gotten the stiff arm.
1: Well, and see, and again, that's where you go back to those 10 laws, like the law of responsibility. Like your responsibility in this situation is that you and your spouse are on the same page and feel like you have the right boundaries in place with your families. And as you communicate those and put those in place, it is likely that your families are not going to like that. And your boundaries is going to bump up against them. That is not your responsibility to convince them that that's right. You have to be okay with saying, you know what, this is, I have the control of saying these are our boundaries. This is what we're doing. And I'm sorry if you don't like that, but this is how we're going to do it. And I think the clearer you can be about it, the less pain and suffering over the long haul. They may not like it up individual, you know, for the first couple of years. And they may be really disappointed that Christmas Eve now is going to the other family, or it might be an every other year cycle thing. But the more you're clear with your boundaries and you stick to them, For a lot of families, over time, that will dissipate and go away, and it just kind of becomes the new normal. But if you're waffling, if you're throwing your spouse under the bus, if you or your spouse are just fighting because you're letting the expectation of Christmas Eve from your family be what controls the family and your marriage, that's just going to be – that's a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah, for us, when we've had these conversations, again, early on in our marriage – I felt like we had to have more of these conversations with my parents and with your parents because probably there was more enmeshment going on in my family. I wasn't aware of it. So people listening right now, maybe you would maybe you need to hit pause and talk about if you've seen some enmeshment in your family of origin. but you might not even be aware of it. This might be a new thing you're becoming aware of. Maybe you're just opening your eyes to this. But all is not lost because if you begin to communicate clearly, lovingly, but really with the idea in mind that we right now, husband and wife, are one. I mean, that's this principle is we're one. If you're looking at this biblically, the Bible never says that that daughter and father are one. The child and parent are one. The oneness relationship is reserved for husband and wife. And that's important because... Because if every relationship is as equally important as the next, then, you w- then we would run into all these conflicts because we don't know how to break the tie. Mm-hmm. But we know what breaks the tie. What breaks the tie is husband and wife relationship. The husband and wife relationship needs to be the prioritized relationship. And so that's going to create some difficult conversations, especially early on in the marriage. But the sooner you have those conversations in love, with respect, the better the better it's going to go because eventually, hopefully, your in-laws will get the message and they'll make their adjustments and the new normal can begin uh, to be set in place.
1: Yeah. And, you know, even like when you say maybe there was some more enmeshment in your family, at the same time, though, I feel like I, in our early marriage, especially about holidays and traditions, because my family had a lot of holidays and traditions and your family had traditions, but maybe they weren't as, I don't know, what what, vibrant, I don't know, maybe they weren't as center front as maybe my family, I felt like mine was. But one of the things that I had to realize is I didn't even, I didn't even, I just kind of made an assumption, well, this is how we do Christmas. (laughs) And I didn't initially think about, oh, well, how did your family do Christmas? And Maybe we're gonna to have to compromise on that. I just kind of favored my family and favored our traditions. And to a point, you kind of just went along with that. But then over time, as we were starting to hear some, you know, complaint from your side of the family, we had to kind of stop and be like, okay, wait a second. You're right. We can't just go all one way or the other. And I can't be controlled by my parents' expectation of what they wanted us to do. We had to say, you know what, what do, what do we want to do? in our marriage and with our children, what is the traditions, what are our values? And we had to make the decision moving forward. So I just think for all of us, the challenge is going to be, be honest, be honest and let your spouse even say, you know, I think, I think your parents kind of do have some controlling piece of you still, at least over this, this or that, and don't be defensive and be like, you know what, I, it's because that's how I was raised and even think about it. But now you're married and you're forming a different family. And you've got a guy or a woman that was shaped by a totally different family system. And now you're trying to figure out how they fit together.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, as we thought about our families of origin, you know, both your parents and my parents, there was a common thread that they spent far more time with the wife's family Than the husband's family, Mm -hmm. right? So, my, you know, we knew the cousins on my mom's side and hung out with aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa on my mom's side a lot more than we did on my dad's side. Mm -hmm. And it turns out the same was true for you. And so, I think there was just a natural, almost like a natural expectation in both of our minds that you hang out more with the mom's side. But that's not, that's not true that's not the way it necessarily should be so we had to make some adjustments about really trying to be proactive about the time that we spent with the in-laws and making sure that the kid our kids were around both sides of the family probably even more than than either our parents had
1: well and truthfully for us one of the best things i mean this is harder for for families we have so many friends that the holidays are like the worst time of year because you're going to like nine different homes for thanksgiving or whatever Uh, Because you have all these expectations from both sides of the family. One of the easiest things for us to really start that leave and cleave principle and developing our own boundaries for our family was because we moved away and we didn't live by our family. So we, we were separated, but where we felt the pressure, where our boundaries came into clear focus, if they were in place or not in place was when we come home for visits and now everyone's, you know, wanting time with us and just, that's where we had a long journey, I think, in a lot of ways of having to communicate and work through how do we set up boundaries with both of our parents that we love and respect, we don't want to disappoint, but we are going to either create such dissension in our own marriage because all we do is fight about it because we're both just trying to defend our family of origin when what the reality is, what you need are some proper boundaries in place and you're going to disappoint both families. That's, that's a principle. <laughs> both families should be disappointed to a degree.
0: Yeah, and really that you know, we we talked last week about the law of power, that you have the power to control your own life and set your own boundaries. I don't, I think it was probably 10 years into our marriage where we finally said, Hey, we're not coming home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. It took us 10, maybe even longer. It took us over a decade to finally realize we had the authority, we had the right, we had the power to say what we needed to say for our new family of origin. And it was liberating to say that it, it created some problems. It caused some waves, but not, not, you know, insurmountable, but we just had to say, Hey, mom, dad, we love you, but we're not. It's every time we come home, it's expensive. It's stressful for us. We're going to just stay home and we're going to do, we're going to do Christmas as a family this year. And it was great. It was so simple, but it took us a long time to realize that we could say that. Now, we're glad that we did that for those those 10 years, but I guess that's the point is is cu- some couples listening to this might be hearing this saying, wow, I never even thought about the fact that I'm allowed, we're allowed, and, and really it's it's we, not me, we're allowed to set our own boundaries. Your parents have set their own boundaries at some point with their family of origin, hopefully. <laughs> and, and so you, we all need to do the same thing. There, it's leaving and cleaving is hard. It's like it's almost like a tearing, and it it is painful at first. And so, if your goal is just to avoid pain at all costs, there's no way you're going to accomplish that goal because all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. You're going to eventually run into problems. So, the sooner you draw those boundaries, the better.
1: And you know what? Since we and that's what I'm saying. When we drew those boundaries and finally made that decision and kind of got through that initial thing of our families being disappointed, because we also have siblings. I mean, siblings that we only saw once a year when we go home. Now it's like, oh my gosh, that was just such as that's been now the new tradition is we aren't with our families and everyone's kind of created their own traditions. And it's, it's good now. It's like, you gotta, you gotta step into it in the immediate to draw the boundary because it is going to create some trouble if your families are not going to like the boundary, but that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to say, we need the boundaries for our marriage. And for our own kids sake, we are not going to be fighting and controlled by other people.
0: Okay, so that's relational in en- enmeshment, but there's another type of enmeshment, and we're gonna call this emotional enmesh enmeshment. This is where hanging out with your family of origin or talking on the phone with your family of origin impacts your emotions. You're so enmeshed with them that it's it's like you get you revert back to, I don't know, some, some kind of dynamic that you had with mom or dad or sibling that it really does change your emotions when you talk to them.
1: Yeah. And again, I mean, this is where your spouse might be creating some real, um, helping you have some self-awareness in ways that you didn't realize because you formed a certain role in your family of origin and your emotional reaction to different people in your family is just kind of the way you did it. It's like old hat. It's a habit. Now you get married and your spouse is like, man, are you different when you talk on the phone with your siblings or your mom or your dad? You get angry, you get defensive, you get insecure because some of those old dynamics keep coming up where how you relate to them, whether good or bad, mostly for the bad, is where you would see this boundary needing to be in place. Is that then you get off the phone or you come back from that visit um, and you come back to your family and to your kids and you're mean and you're distant and you're cold and you're whatever. You change because you've had, you have this emotional. Um, umbilical cord that you're still having. There's still some control from your family of origin over you for whatever reason that that is.
0: Yeah, Tracy, what would you say to the person who's listening to that right now, saying, "I never considered that, but that's exactly what happens." Mm-hmm. I did I wasn't even self aware enough to realize that this is the sort of thing that happens. You know, maybe people have been listening to this boundary series. And they're taking notes and they're writing down these 10 laws and they're, they're saying, oh my gosh, this is so much new information. I, you know, even the word today we're using enmeshment. Some people might say that's a, a whole new word for me. I don't even under, I never even really understood this concept before. And now all of a sudden I'm realizing that I'm emotionally enmeshed, that I, that there's this, there's this toxic connection to my family of origin that I need to deal with. What would you, what would you say to the person who's just realizing that right now?
1: This is where we all have to be teachable and just be humble enough to say, you know what? I didn't realize it. I'm realizing it now. My spouse has kind of pointed out some things. And so I want to, I want to be receptive to that idea and be like, you know what, this, this is an area that I need to look at and and drill down on it. Why do I get so defensive or why does every time I'm on the phone with my dad, it just brings up this anger in me or this need to please, or to prove myself. And so be honest about what that's about and say, like, is that is that what how I should be feeling as a 40, 50, 30-year-old person? Like, what is it that I can start to detach from that hold that it's had on me? And your spouse can be helpful in that because they love you and you guys, you know, you trust your spouse, hopefully. And so if they're saying, like, you just are a different person when you come away from any interaction with your family... Don't be afraid to look at that, figure out why that might be. Maybe there's going to be some conversations to have with your family of origin at some point If if there's some relational, there's some toxic dynamics that have been there for years, or maybe some of it is, why do I let that tone? Why do I let their criticism about the same things over and over again affect me? Why can't I just draw the boundary and say, you are free to have your opinion I do not agree with that opinion, and this is how we're doing it, or this is why we're doing it, and being okay with them not liking it, right? Again, it just kind of comes back to these 10 laws and responsibility and control and evaluation, like you you get to decide what your boundaries are for yourself, for your own family, and that might butt up against people that you really have cared about and respect like your parents, and that's still the way it needs to be. So draw the boundary, be okay that they're disappointed with you. That might be part of what you just have to learn. Like I have been controlled by wanting to please, and I'm 40 years old now. I don't need to perform for my parents anymore.
0: Okay. So if you're keeping score at home, we've talked about relational enmeshment. We've talked about emotional enmeshment, maybe take notes and say, which one do I need to work the most on? But there's another one. And this one's a little bit easier to understand. And probably even to identify, and that is just financial enmeshment. It's it's so common that that kids, especially early on in marriage, but this can really continue for years and years, is that that adult children are financially enmeshed with their parents. They they're depending on their parents financially. Now, maybe it's because you're, you've are you been irresponsible. Maybe there's been drug or alcohol use. Maybe there's just out of control spending. Or maybe it's just this expectation of a certain lifestyle that your parents have that you want to have. And Tracy, we were in danger of this. I remember early on in our marriage, we were first married, living in an apartment. And I, I remember that we were always like you had this expectation that we, we would go out to eat more often than my expectation. And part of it was because I think that was the lifestyle that your parents had earned, mm-hmm. and and I remember we had to have this conversation where where I said Tracy we don't even we don't we don't make that kind of money like we have to have a budget and we can't we can't do that and you I remember you said well it's okay my dad will pay for it yeah. And I don't know if you remember how I responded to that.
1: Yeah, you didn't you didn't appreciate that. Because again, I mean, this is this is the thing. And I definitely had to learn this because I'm thinking, well, okay, we don't have it in our budget, but my dad does. So why, why not let him bless us? But you were arguing for something deeper than that. And the principle of the values that we were deciding as a married couple, what our financial situation, what where we were at in life, what we were saving for, what our what we were gonna care about. That was for us to decide as a married couple, not to, again, just another example. And it's not like it was a bad thing or or some terrible thing, but I was imposing the way my family spent money on our marriage. And we had to look at that and talk as a couple and say, but that reality isn't our reality. And that's not the reality of what we say we're working towards. So we need to not use mom and dad as the piggy bank to make up for the things that we wish we had. Our value is we wanna earn and save and, and work towards the things that we want in the future, not just grabbing them in the immediate. And I have seen that in so many of my friends and even family where one person's family might have more means than the other. And they're like, well, we'll help you buy that house that's really out of your price range. And then there's this enmeshment kind of piece of, but that family then might feel a little bit more of a say in your future spending or their role in your life, because they financially contributed in a pretty major way. And it just kind of naturally keeps that umbilical cord attached. Like you still need mom and dad, but then maybe your spouse is like, I don't want to need mom and dad. I want us to do this on our own.
0: Yeah. And maybe, maybe the young people listening need to hear this. If you're going to rely on your parents financially, then maybe, maybe you should let them speak into your life more with finances. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. So if you're if you're frustrated that your parents are so enmeshed in your finances, really look at your finances and say, am I depending on them? Because if so, then that's fair that they have some say in it. You know, let's say that they're helping you to pay your mortgage and then you go out and buy a brand new car. Well, well, that should they should be frustrated by that potentially. So if you want to get away from that, then then stop letting them pay your mortgage mm-hmm. or or, or you know, parents, this, if the parents are the ones that are enabling this. If you're frustrated because you're paying your kids, your your adult children's mortgage and they're out there spending money like there's no tomorrow and it's frustrating to you, stop paying their mortgage. That's called a boundary. Maybe you need to be the one parents, in-laws, moms and dads to set set that boundary. So that's the picture of financial enmeshment. And Tracy, it can actually work the other way too. For some families, it's the parents who are irresponsible. It's the parents who never owned a home or saved up or whatever else. And now the parents in their 60s or 70s or 80s are looking to the kids And the parents are actually enmeshed. I would call that maybe reverse enmeshment. It's the the parents are the ones that are acting like children. And that can be frustrating, too.
1: Well, and again, this is where the boundary conversation with your spouse, like if you have an agreement that whatever the situation is where there's like the reverse enmeshment where you're more financially supporting your parents, you got to make sure you're on the same page with your spouse about what that means. Because you're both, you know, that's your family's money if you're both working outside of the home, and you're both contributing to your family budget, and then you're giving lots of that money to your mom or to your dad or to a sibling, like you guys need to be on the same page about that. And you need to decide together, here's the boundary of how much we can help. Here's why we're helping. Here's how long we're going to help that, that the spouse that feels this financial burden for their family, you can't just say, well, this is just the way it's going to be. And this is how I'm going to spend the money, you really need to have a conversation and say, no, we together are going to make a decision about how our family money is being spent to support somebody else and at what point that boundary might need to change along the way.
0: Okay, so that's the word enmeshment. And again, it can have relational implications, emotional, financial. There's more ways, I and mean, we can talk forever about this. But Tracy, really, the word here is another word related to enmeshment would be codependence, right? That there's this unhealthy codependence that there's these blurring of the lines there's this it's a lack of clarity like who am i and who are you and where do where do i stop and you begin and and then when when you get married it gets even more complicated because now it's not just two individuals asking that question but now it's a it's a new family of origin that's asking that question you've got to other families of origin, and and everyone might have their own perspective on this, everyone might have their own values when it comes to this. And so this this unhealthy dynamic can easily develop if if the, the new couple comes together and doesn't understand that they have the responsibility, they have the authority and the power to set their own new boundaries. It's gonna take energy It's going to take probably more than one conversation, right, Tracy? But really, it's about recognizing where some of these lines are blurry and where you can begin to set good boundaries.
1: Yep. It's all about just kind of taking time to assess how are my boundaries, you know, that law of evaluation, how are they, do we have boundaries in place? Do we need more boundaries in place? Where are we tending to have arguments that might be an indication of where we need to be clear about boundaries, talk about it, determine together, and then implement
0: Okay, so all that is great. But there's one more issue that comes up, and this probably is even more practical than any of the, the enmeshments. So the enmeshment stuff is a little bit more philosophical. It's gonna take some real thought, it's gonna take some careful consideration, maybe even talking with a mentoring couple. But this next one, Tracy, I think is easy to understand. And it's a word that might be new to some of our listeners, but it comes up time and time and time and time again. And it's such a practical thing that is so easy. It's so easy for this toxic habit to develop in relationships, especially with your in-laws. And the word is triangulation. So explain what that word means. And then let's give some really practical examples for it.
1: Yeah. So this might be something that was apparent in your family of origin all along, or it might've developed as in-laws were coming into the family. And basically it's in conflict. You don't have the proper boundaries in place that if you have a problem with someone, you go to the person you have a problem with. So triangulation is A is mad at B, but goes to C to talk about why they're mad at B. And then C gets involved in the conflict And then maybe B goes to C also. And so you've got this like triangle going on and are A and B ever getting together and having a conversation and dealing with the conflict or are you just involving everybody else? So, I mean, we've seen that in our own families. We've seen that time and again in so many different settings where instead of having the proper boundaries of, if I have a problem, I'm going to go to the person I have a problem with. I'm not going to try and bring other people into it Maybe under the guise of I needed their advice, but oh, well, as I'm getting their advice, we're gossiping, we're being critical of the other person. And the question is, are you ever going to the one you have the problem with and saying, hey, we need to have a conversation?
0: Yeah, a good way to articulate this value is is to say we talk to people, not about them. We talk to people, not about them. Okay, so Tracy, let's say I'm, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Let's say a listener says to you, well, I, here's the problem. The reason that person A needs to talk to person C instead of person B is because person B won't listen. Mm-hmm. So what what would you say to that person?
1: Well, this is where, I mean, it can get complicated really fast. And we have other podcasts and different things of how sometimes personalities are harder to reason with or for other people to take responsibility for their part. But again, this is how this, in this whole context of boundaries, your job is to do your part, to be healthy, to be clear, to draw your boundaries. And so if you're going to person B to say, hey, I just need your advice because C is just, has not been willing to listen, maybe A and B can go together. Uh, Maybe you could suggest doing some counseling or going to your pastor or to a trusted friend or somebody to kind of help mediate the conversation. But at the end of the day, what I think you have to ask yourself is what am I gaining? And what am I losing from having a conversation with somebody other than the person I'm really in conflict with? And where are you going to know to draw the line to where it becomes not healthy? And what is person B going to feel if and when, usually it's when they find out that you've been having other conversations with other people not coming to them. Again, this is like the hardest thing, but the best thing would be for you and your spouse. Let's say it's in your, I don't know, it's with an in-law that you would go together to that person and say, I need to share this with you. This was hurtful to me you know, maybe I need to draw this boundary because of that. And if that person doesn't listen, then okay. So going to talk to person C isn't going to change the fact that person B isn't listening to your boundary. Just draw your boundary, be kind, be loving, be respectful, but draw your boundary and move along. And, and maybe that particular conflict, unfortunately, doesn't get resolved, but not because you didn't try. It's because that other person doesn't understand the law of responsibility themselves and taking ownership for their own mistakes.
0: Okay. So let's say person A has a problem with person B and it's legitimate. It's not just a problem. It's not just gossip. It really is a a deep concern that person B needs to change his or her approach to something. So person A has this real, real deep desire to help person B out, but you are person C. So person A comes to you and says, I've got this problem with person B. What should you do then to try to be a healthy person and not encourage triangulation? What should you do if you've been put, if you're the third person being brought into the situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, this is, this can be hard and it might be disappointing, but that's another boundary that you draw. You just have to say, you know what person A, I'm so sorry. I, I understand, um, that you're hurt, that you're disappointed. And I'm just going to give the benefit of the doubt to person B, or I know person B, and I trust that they're going to want to hear this from you and you need to go to them, you know, talking to me, is not going to solve the problem because I not, neither of us can control what person B is going to do. So your your job as person C is to direct to the healthy thing, which is get into the conversation with the person you really are struggling with. If you have a couple of suggestions, you like I said, you could even say, I'll go with you to talk to person B. But person C, you have just as much of a responsibility if you're the one that's kind of being brought into these conflicts to say, my boundary is, you know what? I'm not the right person to be talking to about this. And I know that that's hard to hear and I'm sorry. And I don't want to disappoint you, but if the shoe were on the other foot, I'd want you to come talk to me. I wouldn't want to hear that you've talked to my sister-in-law or to mom or dad and never come to me with the issue.
0: Okay. Let's apply this to husband and wife. Let's say that wife has a problem with her mother-in-law. So her husband's mom. So, it, Tracy, how does the triangulation work when it comes to a married couple who is, you know, obviously they have a relationship, they're trying to navigate in-law relationships, so there's there's probably a little more leeway to have frank conversations about, I can't stand it when your mom does this, I can't stand it when your mom does this, what should the husband do in that situation?
1: Well, again, this is where that leave and cleave principle is important to remember. So for, for the husband, then you need to have a listening ear for your wife. You need to have, you know, have conversations, ask, like, tell me, tell me where you feel like she's been hurtful or mean, or she's infringing on boundaries. How do, how do you, what would be the best case scenario for you to protect your heart or to not be disappointed or to have your feelings hurt? What are those kind of boundaries, but then be ready to draw those with your mom But I think it's also between a husband and wife. To the wife, I would say, be careful of the words that you speak because that mother-in-law is your husband's mom. And so even though she might have some struggles, she might be toxic in some ways, that's still your husband's mom. So you have a responsibility to use your words wisely, kindly, be clear about where you feel like things are not working right, or you feel like you're not being protected by your husband, but you as husband and wife, like it needs to be how do we help one another? How do we keep ourselves safe? And what conversations might we need to have with the family? But even in contact, in connection with between husband and wife, be careful about how you speak about your spouse's family, because that's their family. That's what how we started this whole thing is for most of us, we don't even realize the way things happen, the way we communicate, the way our nonverbal things are, might be very different than the person we ended up marrying. And so rather than being defensive, like, well, this is just how we do it. You need to be like, okay, you know what, how, what boundaries do we need to draw? So the, your spouse feels safe and that you, you kind of create your own relational dynamic in your marriage and with your own kids and you can communicate to your families of origin, but just don't, don't be mean spirited about how you talk about your in-laws that that's not going to be helpful.
0: Okay, so let's bring it all together. Let's say the wife listening recognizes that there's some enmeshment. In fact, let's just be generous and say that wife and husband recognize that there's some enmeshment with the husband and his family of origin. So how how does the how should the wife and the husband proceed? That they're listening to this, they're processing this, they're putting two and together, two and two together, they're saying, this definitely is describing in some part this re- the relationship that the husband has with his mom, let's say, and so in that particular scenario, do, Tracy, do they do they process that just together? Like, how do they set boundaries mm-hmm. as a? Couple, is it the couple's responsibility? Is it the husband's responsibility? How would you recommend that they move f- forward? Again, it's hard to really say this just in generic terms, but mm-hmm. we're trying to be as helpful as we can for for couples that are listening to this and light bulbs are going on for them.
1: Yeah. So again, I think one of the best things you can do as a couple, identify the areas where you seem to have the most conflict or fights or arguments are occurring with the f- with the other person's family talk about that. Okay, where those might be boundary issues, where that's just different expectations, where there might be hurt or toxic dynamics or whatever. Okay, then as a couple, you're deciding, okay, how do we need to draw some different boundaries with said family members that make your spouse feel safe? And then whoever the family of origin, that is the kind of the focus that spouse needs to be the spokesperson to their family. And, and my suggestion is that you would go to your parents, you'd go to your sibling, you'd say, hey, listen, you know what, we're just kind of working through some things and just realize this has been hurtful to, to us. And so this is a way we're going to handle this moving forward. And you kind of articulate your boundary and and then you just hold your boundary. And again, recognize that you the person that's now feeling your boundary may not like it at first that's okay. But the person whose family is the issue needs to be the spokesperson and speak for the family, your own family, your spouse and your kids, not, hey, my wife doesn't like you, you're mean. And so now that means I can't hang out with you. That wouldn't be the right way to communicate. It would be, hey, we're making some changes. And this is the way we're going to do things moving forward. And here's the boundary.
0: Last question, Tracy. So there's a couple out there that is listening to this. And they're saying, we have tried all of this. We have tried to set boundaries with the in-laws and they're not respecting the boundaries. They're not, or they're not agreeing with our boundaries. And and maybe that also looks like that they're not respecting. In other words, maybe they say, please don't, please don't call us every day. That's not helpful. We're not going to answer if you call us every day, but it's really creating turmoil. Let's say it's creating turmoil for father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Because father and let's say mother-in-law is the controller, father-in-law. By the way, this kind of thing happens all the time. Mm-hmm. That in, in in with your in-laws, one of them is probably the controller. If they're if like we talked about a couple weeks ago, if they're not very good at respecting boundaries, and probably that there's a pattern that's persisted in the relationship between mother and father, then mother-in-law and father-in-law. And so again, let's say that the kids, the, the adult children are saying, we don't want to make it worse on dad. We don't, you know, we, cause that's just going to put all that, that much more stress on dad. If we go ahead and set the boundary, cause dad hasn't been able to set the boundary for 50 years. And so now we're, now we're just yeah. making it harder on them. I, Tracy, what would you say to that couple who just, they feel like they're kind of caught in the middle and they really feel like it's a lose, lose situation.
1: Well, see, that's an example of enmeshment though. You, it's not your responsibility to draw the boundaries for your dad or your mom. That's the dynamic in their marriage. If that's what they've chosen, then that's their dynamic to own. But that doesn't mean that you have to cater to that dynamic in order to not rock the boat for mom and dad. You have to draw your boundaries. You have to make your decisions for your family and be okay with that. And not take responsibility for what that's going to mean for your dad and the, and the pain and suffering he's going to feel because your mom isn't going to like the boundary that the child drew. So that's just a perfect example of how we don't even really realize the enmeshment issues that we have with our families, because we're balancing a dynamic in our parents' marriage when that's not our marriage. (laughs) I'm supposed to be responsible for managing the dynamics and the boundaries in my own marriage. So you need to just draw boundaries and be okay that that might be rough for mom or dad.
0: Well, that's boundaries with the in-laws. It's hard. We all face it. We all deal with it. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you want to talk about it, make sure to see below. We'll make sure to put discussions, questions in the show notes below and also maybe share These last few podcasts with, with boundaries, share it with people, maybe share it with your in-laws, share it with people in your family, share it with brothers and sisters, with siblings, get on the same page, get some of the same language. It's helpful to have some of the same language enmeshment and triangulation and codependency and, and some of these, these laws of boundaries. It's, it's valuable for all of the family to be on the same page with this because really you can set healthy boundaries and it'll be good for the whole family. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor and to do it just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.